the only reason there is a single person on this planet who denies the existence of the true and living God is because they have made not an intellectual decision, but a moral decision. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. What does the Bible mean when it speaks about humanity having a depraved mind? Can depraved humanity truly know who God is? Hello again, I'm Bill Wright, and today Tom has part two of his current series, Trending Versus Truth, exploring the biblical response to various moral issues that are trending, including gender, sexuality, morality, and social justice issues. And as Tom examines the cultural issues of the day, what becomes clear is that all trending issues tend to assume a flawed foundation of how unrepentant sin can lead to being abandoned by God. But what about your own view of God? Are there areas in your life where you've rejected basic truths for the flawed views of the culture? Let's join our teacher for more now on The Word Unleashed. I want you to start with me in verse 21, Romans 1, because here Paul has just said that God has revealed himself in creation. We're going to look at that in a moment. But here's how man responds to God's revelation in creation. He responds in hard-hearted rebellion. Notice verse 21, for even though they knew God. doesn't mean they had a personal relationship with God. It means in the creation they saw and understood that God was, that he'd revealed himself. Even though they knew God, here's how they responded. They did not honor him as God. That is, they didn't glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. Instead, they were willfully ignorant of his existence. Go back to the end of verse 18. They suppressed that truth that they knew from creation. And what did they do instead? Verse 23, they worshiped false gods. So understand, folks, that the real issue, the reason all of those common expressions we just talked about are present in our culture, that's not because God hasn't revealed himself clearly. Instead, it is a willful ignorance of his existence. There's a second reason for the trending abandonment of God. It's here in Romans 1 as well. It is a willful rejection of God's law a willful rejection of God's law. Go down to verse 32. Speaking about people who've never held the Bible in their hands, pagans who who don't know the truth from the Scripture, they know the ordinance of God. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Notice here, Paul says... The pagan knows that God is a righteous lawgiver who demands obedience. Verse 32, they know the ordinance of God. We'll talk about how in in just a minute. And they know that God hates and will judge their sin. Verse 32, they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death. But what do they do? They keep on doing them, and they give approval to those who do them. So understand then that the reason people abandon God, 
The problem is not an intellectual one. It's a moral one. There is a willful rejection, a willful ignorance of God's existence, and a willful rejection of God's law. That's the reason, those are the reasons for our culture's abandonment of God in the ways we just saw. That brings us to a third insight, and this is where I want us to spend a few minutes here, and that is the biblical correction. The biblical correction, what is the truth? You see, we don't want to just lament the negative trends. We need to know what God and the Scripture are against, and so we're going to do that as we've already done. But we also, at the same time, need to celebrate the truth that the Scripture champions. I mean, as, as those who believe in the true and living God, let's be honest, our hearts ache over the culture's growing rejection of our Creator. It should grieve you when people deny God the glory and the thanks that He so much deserves. So we grieve, our hearts ache, but at the same time, folks, we have so much to celebrate. We have a good and generous and gracious God. Our God has graciously shown the entire world that He exists and He has revealed Himself to them. Let's consider that for a moment. Let's consider what Scripture teaches about this instead of the the sort of abandonment of God because, well, we're just not sure if He exists and we're not sure if He does exist, what He's like. Let's consider what Scripture teaches. Number one, God has revealed His existence, eternity, and power, don't miss this, to every person through the creation. God has revealed His existence, eternity, and power to every person through the creation. Look again at Romans chapter 1, verse 18. He says, God is displaying His wrath against men, notice, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. What truth? The truth that is revealed about God in the creation. So Paul goes on to explain that God has in fact revealed Himself, verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them. The Greek word translated evident there means visible, clear, plainly seen, open. It's a fact that every sinner knows. Every sinner knows. That which is known about God is evident within them. And then notice he adds, for God made it evident to them. Literally, the Greek text reads this way, for God caused it to become known to them. For God caused it to become known to them. God has made certain truths about himself clear, plain to every human being that has ever lived. Years ago, John Blanchard wrote a book with a title I love. The title of the book was, Does God Believe in Atheists? Think about that for a moment. The answer to that question is no. God doesn't believe in atheists because he's made himself known. You say, when? Well, verse 20 says, He revealed Himself since the creation of the world. There has never been a time when this revelation of Himself wasn't ongoing. Notice what God revealed about Himself. His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. His invisible attributes, specifically His eternity or His eternality. I mean, think about it, folks. The world has been here long before we came on this globe thousands of years. Clearly, the one who made these things is not susceptible to decay and death. 
His eternal power, the grandeur of the earth, the vastness of the heavens, make it clear that the one who made and sustains all these things has power beyond our wildest conception. I mean, just think about a single Dallas thunderstorm. Nobody doubts God's power and His divine nature. He's made it clear that He possesses the qualities of deity, that He is God. How? How did God reveal Himself? Verse 20 goes on to say, these invisible attributes have been clearly seen. In other words, all people have clearly seen these invisible attributes, and then he goes a step further, being understood through what has been made. Every person who has ever lived on this planet and who is alive now gets it. They grasp it. They understand it. You say, well, why are there so many people around saying they don't? Go back to verse 18. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. The only reason there is a single person on this planet who denies the existence of the true and living God is because they have made not an intellectual decision, but a moral decision. What's the results of God's revelation in creation? The end of verse 20. So that they, who's they? All the pagans, people who've never held the Bible in their hands. You know, I get the question all the time as a pastor, what about that person out there who's never seen the Bible, who doesn't know the truth? Listen, what Paul says is they know these things about God. There isn't a single person out there who doesn't know these things about God. God has written it in the creation, and he's made it evident within them, and they know, and they have chosen to sin against the truth they know. They're not going to be judged for the truth you and I know. They're going to be judged for the truth they know, but they know enough, and they've rejected it so that everyone is without excuse. God has unmistakably revealed his existence, his eternity, his power to every person through the creation. What a good God we have. Folks, let's celebrate that. There's no confusion in the world about God. It's the suppression of the truth God has made evident. A second biblical truth is that God has revealed His righteousness and holiness, again, to every person. How? Through the conscience. Look at Romans chapter 2. We ended Romans 1 saying they know the ordinance of God. Here are pagans who have never seen the Scripture. They know the ordinance of God. How? Well, the answer comes in Romans 2, verse 14. For when pagans, when Gentiles who do not have the written law, they don't have a copy of it in front of them, when they do instinctively the things of the law, it doesn't mean they perfectly keep God's law, it means they know right from wrong. They, they know you shouldn't be stealing from your friend. They know you shouldn't be committing adultery on your, on your spouse. They know certain things are true. When they do that, when they instinctively understand that, these not having the written law are a law to themselves. How? Verse 15, they show the work of the law, that is, the substance of the law, the basic core content of the law written in their hearts. Whose hearts? Every single human being who's ever lived. The, the substance of God's law is written on their hearts. Who did it? Of course, God did it. 
and it's in the conscience. Verse 15 goes on to say, their conscience then, informed with that substance of God's law, bears witness, and, and their thoughts marry with their conscience, either accusing them or defending them. You understand this. Listen, how many times have you said to yourself, I really shouldn't have done that? You were showing the work of God's law written on your heart. This is God's goodness. He has revealed Himself. He's revealed His righteousness and His holiness to every person through the conscience. People know. Listen, all the people debating these issues, they know. It's back to verse 32 of chapter 1. They know the ordinance of God. They know that they deserve judgment for breaking God's law, but they're going to do it anyway. Number three, God has revealed His goodness and generosity to every person through His providence. His goodness and His generosity through His providence. Look at Acts chapter 14. I love this passage. I, I often come here at Thanksgiving because it just reminds us of God's goodness and all that He's surrounded us with. You remember the story in Lystra. Paul and Barnabas healed a man and they started to be worshipped by this crowd. Verse 15 of Acts 14. They tried to restrain them. Paul says, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of the same nature as you and we preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways. Now watch verse 17. Yet, God did not leave himself without witness. Witness to whom? To all of humanity. What was the witness? in that He did good, and He gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your heart with food and gladness. Look at the good things you enjoy in this life. That is God's revelation to you of Himself, that He is good and generous and kind even to His enemies. In fact, in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says, don't you understand that God's goodness is intended to lead you to repentance? Number four, God has revealed Himself, His law, and His gracious salvation through the Scripture. God's greatest revelation that we've looked at today comes in the Scripture, in special revelation. You see, you can look at general revelation, which is what we've been talking about, and you might misunderstand because your conscience is, is messed up, it's flawed. You, your picture of the world might give you a wrong impression about God but not the Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, of course, one of the most familiar passages to us all. But listen to it again. From childhood, Paul says to Timothy, you have known the sacred writings, you've known the Scriptures, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. He's talking about the Old Testament. New Testament was still being written. And then he goes on to say, all Scripture is inspired by God. It's, it's the product of God's breath in the same way that my words are the product of my breath right now. All Scripture is the product of God's breath for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Salvation and sanctification, it's all here. Our good God has revealed Himself in everything you need to know to have a relationship with Him, to be right with Him, to be with Him forever. Do you treasure this revelation? This is such an amazing gift. Number five, God has ultimately revealed Himself and His saving character through His Son. 
Ultimately, He has revealed Himself and His saving character through His Son. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and many ways, there's the Old Testament, in these last days has spoken to us in His Son. Jesus Christ was God's last word. And of course, everything He did and everything He taught and the, the, the ramifications of that are all recorded in the New Testament, in that book you hold in your hand through the inspired authors that He Himself chose and gave this responsibility. He says, He's the one that was appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. He's the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His nature. In other words, He's just like God because He is God. And He upholds all things by the word of His power. When He'd made purification of sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God has revealed Himself in His Son. Folks, look at that list. When you look at what's going on in our world, when you look at their denial of God, their rejection of God, their abandonment of God, when they say, I just don't know if he's out there. I don't have enough evidence. I don't know whether or not there is a God. Or I know there isn't one. Or they add in all of their paganism and their, their synchristic ideas that muddy the truth of who God is. Understand that is not for lack of information. That is not for lack of truth. Our God could not have been clearer than He has been. Those are moral decisions, not intellectual decisions. The truth that we need to believe and to celebrate, even as our culture abandoned its Creator, is that He is and that He has revealed Himself. Finally and quickly, a fourth insight I want you to see is the practical ramifications. Why does it matter? The practical ramifications. First of all, for unbelievers, this, this background is so important because their abandonment of God is the root of their moral confusion. Let me say that again. Their abandonment of God is the root of their moral confusion. It's our culture's abandonment of Him that has brought in confusion about things there should be no confusion about. Proverbs 1.7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or knowledge. This is where wisdom begins. It's with the fear of the Lord. John MacArthur writes, while the unbeliever may make statements about life and truth, he does not have true or ultimate knowledge until he is in a redemptive relationship of reverential awe with God. This is the problem. The reason our culture is trending in the wrong direction on all the moral questions of our times is because of its fundamental departure from and dismissal of God. But in the end, you remember, because God has revealed Himself and because man, knowing God, doesn't glorify God or give God thanks, but instead starts worshiping everything else, what does God do? Three times it says God gives Him over. God gives Him over. God gives Him over. God gives Him over to sexual sin. God gives him over to a cultural-wide acceptance of homosexuality. And thirdly, God gives a culture, a people group over to a depraved mind. What is a depraved mind? It's not sinning. People have always sinned. The same sins people are committing today, they committed 50 years ago. They committed 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago. They committed before Christ came. 
The same sins, they're still out there. Nothing has changed in terms of the sins. So what's a depraved mind? It's when those sins begin to be called good and right and celebrated. That's when you're at the end of Romans 1. That's when God has given a culture over because of its paganism, because it's abandoned him, God abandons them to their sin. Now you understand the double meaning behind my title this morning, The Abandonment of God. I phrased it that way because on the one hand, man abandons God, and that's happening constantly in our culture, and because of that, God abandons them to their sin. Now don't misunderstand, Paul does not mean that God gives up permanently on all idolaters. That's what the King James implies with its wording, God gave them up. Sounds like he's done, washes his hands. It's not what it says. He says it gives them over gives them over to this, these sins. But God's wrath of abandonment is not necessarily permanent. Obviously, it will be permanent for those who refuse to believe the gospel, but it's not permanent for those who hear the gospel in God's grace, repent and believe in that gospel. I love 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 9. Paul says to the Thessalonian believers, you turn to God, what? From idols to serve a living and true God. If you have abandoned your Creator in one of those ways we talked about, whether it's philosophical atheism or practical atheism or any other expressions we talked about, understand this, God hasn't given up on you. He still is making a generous and true, genuine offer of the gospel to you to say if you will repent and believe, He will forgive your sins. This is who God is. You can turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. God will enable you to do that. What about for believers? Why is this important for believers? Understand this. Our acceptance of and submission to God is the foundation of our moral clarity. Why is this an important place for me to begin this series? I mean, after all, we're all Christians here. It's like, Tom, you're preaching to the choir. We haven't abandoned God, and we're never going to abandon God. You're right, but, but here's the problem. Although we would never embrace this foundational position of our culture, tragically, many Christians unwittingly embrace the culture's position on trending issues. And they do so ignorant of not realizing that those positions are based on a worldview that denies the very God they believe. You see, Satan has deceived many well-meaning Christians into embracing views on a lot of cultural issues that are built on this flawed foundation. Well-intentioned but culturally influenced Christians end up holding viewpoints that are not based on the truth of Scripture, but the lies of Satan. Why? Because they are embracing viewpoints that are not built on theism, on biblical theism, the existence of the one true and living God, but on something else, on an abandonment of God. As followers of Jesus Christ, I don't want us to embrace the trending moral values of our culture, but the eternal truth of God. And folks, it starts here. Rather than asking what the people around us think, we start instead with the bedrock conviction that God is and that He has revealed Himself clearly. As Francis Schaeffer says, He is there and He is not silent. 
You don't have to wonder what God thinks. He is and He's revealed Himself. If you're going to get the cultural issues right, you've got to realize that everything trending out there is built on the flawed foundation of the abandonment of God. And you've got to scrap all of that and come back to this bedrock conviction and start to build your view of the world here. Let's pray together. That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed. And that was part two of Trending versus Truth. Tom will have part three for us next time, and we do hope you'll join us then. Well, we'd like you to know that Tom has a new book out titled The God Who Hears, a book of pastoral prayers. It features 31 scripture readings and accompanying pastoral prayers. Tom's book is available for purchase right now online at thewordunleashed.org. As always, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. We'd love to hear your story and how God is enriching you in your walk with Christ through this ministry. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Again, that's listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. And remember to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do that by visiting thewordunleashed.org. Again, that's thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory explaining God's truth.